Hello, and welcome to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Uh, Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan, and is led by Pastor Daniel White. Uh, Today we're going to be joining Pastor White as he continues his series on the family. So let's get out our Bibles and get ready to join Pastor White as he teaches us about God's plan for home and the family. All right, take your Bible and let's turn to the book of Colossians tonight. You can see what our subject is this evening. Satan has been very, very successful in dividing our families, attacking the head of our home, our fathers, and separating our fathers from their children. And that's the subject tonight. Uh, Last week, we uh, were talking to the ladies on how you can help your husband become the spiritual leader of your home, as he should. And tonight, we're going to direct our message to the men. Now, as has been typical, as we go through our series here on the family, we're talking to the men, we're talking to the ladies, we're talking to the children, and a lot of these principles are interchangeable. Uh, They apply to the ladies as well as to the men. Now, tonight, this is all the men, okay? So you ladies, if you would keep your husbands awake and paying attention, uh, we'd appreciate that. If your husbands are not here with you, take good notes. And you can go Pastor said, okay, that uh, he's to go over these notes here tonight. Heavenly Father, we pray you'd bless the service this evening and Father, we have, we have learned that the head of Christ is God, the head of the man is Christ, and the head of the woman is man. And Satan has an all-out attack against our men. And Father, he has been very successful in separating them from their families. I pray that you would use this lesson tonight to encourage us and strengthen our homes. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Colossians chapter 3, beginning with verse 18 and reading through verse 21. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. Be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, Fathers, subject of tonight, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged or lose heart, just want to give up and quit trying to please their father. And so tonight we're going to be looking at 13 things that will separate a father from his children and really open up those children to direct satanic attack, turning their heart completely away from their home and to their peers. What we want to do is to look at some things tonight that will really help you understand where we are as a culture. Um, Matter of fact, I'm working on a message right now. How do we know that there's a God? How do you know there's a God? Well, that's one of the ways. But you know, we have over, over 20 well, there's 26% of Americans now, 
Lord is, Lord's pleased with what we're going to talk about tonight. He is definitely agreeing with where we're going here this evening. But 26% of Americans now say that they are atheist. That, that is a staggering statistic. So just over a quarter of us now. And we can see where our nation has gone because that we have educated faith right out of our children. And now our children are the millennial generation or now what they call the Z generation. 37% of those in the Z generation, we'll tell you what generation that is, that's the one just below the millennials, 37% of them are atheists, no longer believe in God. It's a very sad thing. I'm on. So one of the most observable facts of this generation is that fathers have been cut off from their children. And the influence that God intended the father to have. Fathers are made fun of. Fathers are mocked. Fathers are ridiculed. Fathers are belittled. Everywhere you look in, in, in our culture, that's what has happened. And Satan knows exactly what he's doing to our homes. Going after the head. Don't tell me we're frozen already here, guys. Guys up there, help me out. Thank you. So 37% of our families are now single-parent homes with a father being absent. That's tragic. Okay, guys, come on. The divorce rate in America is at 41%. That actually has fallen because people are no longer getting married. They're living together, so it has dropped a little bit. 60% of second marriages end in divorce. Now look at this. Third marriages, 73% of third marriages end in divorce. The average father spends less than five minutes a day with his children. So the influence that God wants the father to have simply is not there in our homes. Now, I hope it's much better within our Christian families. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 30, it says, there is a generation, to see if this doesn't sound like the generation today. There is a generation that curseth their father and doth not bless their mother. There is a generation that are pure. They're pure in their own eyes. Remember the darkest days of Israel's history was when every man did that which was right in his own eyes. We are there today. We've removed the godly standard of the Word of God, and now everyone just does what they want to do. And yet they're not washed from their filthiness. There is a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes, and their eyelids are lifted up. There is a generation whose teeth are as swords, and their jaw teeth as knives. Now, I don't know, you might disagree with me, but to me, that sounds like the present generation in which we live. <clears throat> Begin to look at these pictures. And it's just a sad thing that now dysfunctional families, guess what? It's the norm. The ministry of John the Baptist, we've talked about this before. 
What did John the Baptist do that caused him to have such a successful ministry? He turned the hearts of the fathers, what? To the children. Okay? Turned the hearts of the fathers to the children. Listen, this is the key to raising up our next generation. Solomon, throughout the book of Proverbs, gives exhortation after exhortation concerning the father and child relationship. Listen to some of these verses. My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. Hear ye, children, the instruction of the father, and attend to no understanding. My son, keep thy father's commandments, and forsake not the law of thy mother. The Proverbs of Solomon, a wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish son is a heaviness to his mother. A wise son heareth his father's instruction, but a scorner heareth not rebuke. A fool despiseth his father's instruction, but he that regardeth reproof is prudent or is wise. A wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish son despiseth his mother. He that begetteth a fool doth it to his sorrow, and the father of a fool hath no joy. A foolish son is a grief to his father and a bitterness to her that bear him. A foolish son is a calamity of his father. He that wasteth his father and chaseth away his mother is a son that causes shame and bringeth reproach. Whoso curtheth his father or his mother, his lamp shall be put out in obscure darkness. Hearken unto thy father that beget thee, and despise not thy mother when she is old. The father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice, and he that begetteth a wise child shall have joy of him. Thy father and thy mother shall be glad, and she that bare thee shall rejoice. How true these are. Thine own friend and thy father's friend forsake not, neither go into thy brother's house in the day of thy calamity. For better is a neighbor that is near than a brother afar off. Whosoever keepeth the law is a wise son, but he that is a companion of riotous men shameth his father. Whoso robbeth his father or his mother and saith, it is no transgression, the same is the companion of a destroyer. Whoso loveth wisdom rejoiceth his father, but he that keepeth company with harlots spendeth his substance. There is a generation that curseth their father and doth not bless their mother. The eye, of the, mock, the eye that mocketh his father and despiseth to obey his mother, the ravens of the valley shall pluck it out and the young eagles shall eat it. That is, that is just a sampling of the many scriptures that we have by Solomon concerning the relationship that a father is to have with his children. Here is the verse that we started with. Let's say it together. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. So what fathers do to provoke their children? The Bible said don't provoke your children. So what, what do we do? I've done it. Many of my kids are here tonight. They'll testify to you that I've done some of these things. But what do we do that really causes our children to get provoked with us and just want to give up and quit and not listen to us and rebel and turn their heart away from us? This is a very important lesson tonight. First of all, let's talk about the absentee father. We got a lot of fathers who are absentee. 
They may be in the home. They still may be married to their wives, but they are absent. The reason for this is because they have wrong what? They have wrong priorities. We have to get our priorities right. We've talked about this before. Many of them have put their personal interest ahead of the needs of their family, their church attendance, and serving the Lord. Listen, I believe that those are three very, very important priorities that we need to have. We need to give our families the attention that they need, the leadership that they need. We need to be faithful to church, amen? And it's our priorities that keep us out of church. We need to get busy serving the Lord because one day we're going to stand before the Lord and give an account of how we have served him. How did you serve the Lord today? Did your children see you serving the Lord today? The Bible said we are to redeem the what? Make the most of the time. Redeem it because once it's gone, it's gone. Redeem the time. The days are evil. And the days are getting more evil. And so we really, we really need to stop and we need to check what's on our priority list. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Don't you think that should be right up there at the top of our priority list? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. And so we have many fathers who are just simply absentee fathers. Number two, we have fathers who are unfaithful. You say, what? what in the world did you put a picture up there of a twisted ankle and a guy holding his tooth? Confidence in an unfaithful man in a time of trouble is like a broken what? Ouch. I know you all love going to the dentist, right? It's like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. How many here ever sprained your ankle? How many here ever had a broken tooth? I have a broken tooth. Then said, nothing we can do about it. So we can pull it or leave it there. I said, leave it there. An unfaithful father. What does the Bible say about faithfulness? Listen, you talk about priorities. This should be, our top priority, men, is to be faithful men. Let's look at some of these verses. My servant Moses is not so, who is a what? Faithful. Who is faithful in all of mine house. A faithful man. But a faithful man. A faithful man. Who can find? It, you are hard pressed to find a man who is really going to be faithful. To his family, to his wife, to God. Very hard to find a faithful man. A faithful man, however, will abound with what? Blessing. Have a lot of God's blessing in his life. So let's get faithful. Who then is a faithful and wise servant? And his Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and what? Faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'll make thee ruler over many. Faithfulness, faithfulness, faithfulness. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in that which is much. If therefore ye have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, and if ye have not been faithful in that which is another, is faithfulness a test that God gives to every one of us? Yeah. 
Is he going to trust us with more? How can he if we're not faithful with what he has given to us? Faithfulness. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found what? Faithful. Faithful, faithful, faithful. For this cause I have sent thee, Timotheus, who is my beloved son. And what kind of man was Timotheus? He was a faithful man. He was a faithful man. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus, and to the, what? Faithful. Now, why does the verse read like this? Because not everyone in Ephesus was faithful. He addressed all of them, like, to all you at Fellowship Baptist Church, but especially to you faithful ones. Tychicus, a beloved brother and what? Faithful. Do you think faithfulness was pretty important to the Apostle Paul? He's pointing it out to everyone that he's writing to here. They were, in Paul's opinion, either they were faithful or they were unfaithful. Now, I wonder if the preacher had to judge you tonight. Seriously. If I had to go through and I had to judge each one of you, would I judge you as faithful? You faithful? Are you faithful? You say, well, we're here on Wednesday night, Pastor. That should count for something. I'll give you a check for that one. But I can't judge as to whether someone is faithful or not, can I? Can you be at all the service of the church but still be an unfaithful man? Onesimus. What kind of brother was he? He was a faithful and beloved brother in the Lord. Sylvanus. What kind of brother was he? Do you see how important this is? Now, you say, well, that was just important to Paul. Now, wait a minute. Paul is writing under the what? Inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. This is God that's trying to emphasize this, and it's God who's lifting up these certain men in these churches and saying, listen, these are faithful men, and you need to be faithful just like them. And thank Christ Jesus, my Lord, Paul said, who hath enabled me, and that he counted me what? Faithful, And because I was faithful, he put me into the ministry. Antipas was my what kind of martyr? Faithful unto death. Now that's faithfulness, amen? Paul, as he is discipling Timothy... Now, we've seen how important faithfulness is to the Apostle Paul. But as he's discipling Timothy, he's encouraging Timothy to disciple others. But who is he encouraging Timothy to disciple? What kind of men? So don't you think he's saying this? Don't waste your time with the unfaithful men in the church. Timothy, you look and you find those men who are faithful. You pour your life into them. 
And then those faithful men, because they're faithful, what are they going to do? They're going to teach others also. Could you be described as a faithful person? I just want you to stop and just really seriously think about this right now. Because, like I said, we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And our stewardship is going to be judged. And faithfulness is going to be on the top of that list. And all of our eternal rewards are going to spill from that faithfulness. Think about it. How faithful we are in this temporal life and the few years that we have to live in this life will determine how we will be rewarded for eternity. Eternity. Our faithfulness to God. Our faithfulness to our marriages. Our faithfulness to our children. Our faithfulness to our parents. Our faithfulness to our church. Our faithfulness to our work. Just faithful, faithful, faithful. It applies to every area of life. So the first thing that will separate a father from his children is just that he's absent. He's just not there. He's just not part of the family. He's focused on other things. Number two is he's just an unfaithful man. Let's look at the next one. Number three, our fathers who make rules without principles to undergird them. So what kind of father is this? This is the father that says, just do it because I said so. I think it's very important if you're going to have rules, and we all have rules in our home, but if we're going to have rules, there has to be a reason for our rules. And don't you think it would be a good idea to have a biblical basis for those rules? I think one thing you will see with this preacher over all these years, when I throw up a principle, when I throw up a teaching, what do I always have to support that? Always have Scripture. Because if I don't have scripture to support whatever point or principle or doctrine that I'm teaching, then it's just what? It's just my opinion. And so, men, we really need to take the time. If we're going to have some rules in our home, why are we having these rules? Do these rules have a biblical basis to them? Because then when your children rebel, guess who they're rebelling against? They're rebelling against God, and you can directly point them back to that. So fathers who make rules without principles to undergird them. This is what it says here. And thou shalt what? What? Teach them. Teach what? The Word of God, the principles of Scripture. Here's the rules. Here's the law. This is how I expect you to live and conduct yourselves, and here's why. This is what God says. It's a good idea to start when they're young. Make sure they're in church. Sunday school is important. But make sure they have principles to undergird the rules that you're establishing in your home. Thy, thy what word? Not your word. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and is a light unto my path. Number four is fathers who have double standards. 
What is a double standard? A double standard is you can't, but it's okay for me. You can't watch this, but I can watch this. You can't drink this, hello, but I can drink this. You can't go there, but I can go there. You can't listen to that, but I can listen to it. Are you all with me? The Bible said, therefore, my brethren, be what? Steadfast. Don't have double standards. What is a standard bearer? What is a standard bearer? Carries the flag. Carries the flag. Raise the what? Standard high for the Lord. Leads the army into battle. Doesn't turn and run tail. Thou, help me out here, it's highlighted. Hypocrite. hypocrite. What is a hypocrite? A hypocrite is someone who has a double standard. If you're going to have a standard for your children, guess what? Don't you think it should be your standard too? Let me give you another one. If it's a standard that you expect your pastor to have, don't you think it's a good idea? You probably have it too. Well, we had two heads nod. I thought that was a good point. <laughs> Lift up a what? Standard. Lift up the standard. Don't be hypocritical. Make it your standard and make it the standard of your home. Lift up a standard for the people. Our children need to have a standard lifted up. They need to see that lived out in our lives. Set up a standard. Set it up. Live accordingly. Number five. Our fathers who are unwilling to discipline. I um, had a mother yesterday that talked to me and her frustration that her husband will not at all ever discipline the children. I feel sorry for a mom who has to do it all. And let me say this about discipline. When dad's home, dad take care of it. When mom's home, mom take care of it. Don't wait till dad gets home. And the kids will hate to see dad come home. Here comes dad, we're gonna get it. But our fathers who are just you know the thing about discipline? It's a lot of work. I remember we had all those 10 kids running around and just how much work it was to try to be consistent and discipline them and to try to figure out, now how do you discipline this one, you know? It beat Daniel half to death and he still dis disobeyed, you know? <laughs> Look at Christina and say, now stop that. And she breaks into tears. So it's a lot of work. But listen, we have to do it and we have to be consistent. Not doing it will separate us from our children. What it says here in the middle of this verse, it says, we had, have had fathers of our flesh, which what? 
corrected us. It's the job of the father to give correction. Liking that is unto the correction of the Lord. Your children will, believe you me, your children will rise up and thank you for disciplining them. Most of my children have. My adult, most of my adult children have grown up and have thanked me. And my precious Alyssa, there she is. She, she wrote me a thank you card today. Yeah. Look at her. Stand up there. Show them your... Stand up there. Does she sound... Stand, come, come. Obey your father. <laughs> look at her new glasses. Doesn't she look nice in her new glasses? She played so much better tonight. She could see the keys on the piano. Listen, I'm, I believe this. If you don't discipline your children, you will lose the heart of your children. Proverbs on discipline. I'm not going to read them. You might want to jot these down or you can maybe grab this online. But over and over and over again. Chasten thy son while there is hope because there comes a time when you can't do it anymore. You've lost him. Number six is fathers who consistently display anger. So you have the fathers who just don't discipline at all, and then you have the ones who, the way they discipline is by yelling it into the corner. The bishop, the pastor, he's not to be what? Soon angry. I thank the Lord for that because it says soon angry. Everyone gets angry now and then, right? Even the preacher gets angry now and then. But we're not angry people all the time. And when we do lose our temper, we, we get it right. We ask forgiveness. But if you're consistently an angry person, that will drive a wedge between you and your children quicker than anything else. The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. It doesn't work. Yelling at it doesn't work. But now put off all these, anger and wrath. Get it out. That's not the way we go about our discipline of our children. And sometimes they really do make you angry. Let's keep their hearts. Number seven. is fathers and mothers who quarrel just all the time. Now, my mom and dad, they didn't, they didn't argue very much. But I'll tell you what, there were times when I heard my mother and father arguing, and it broke my heart. I remember sitting on the stairway outside of my uh, room and hearing my mom and dad, I don't know what they were arguing about, but I heard them arguing, and I cried. It hurt me so deeply. Children have a tendency to take up an offense, especially for the mother against the father. Love your wives. As Christ loved the church, don't be bitter toward them. 
Your children will pick up an offense. Number eight is fathers that lack interest in the activities of their child. And this is, this is particularly difficult if you're not interested in the same thing your children are interested in. Isaac and Daniel and I, guess what? We like to hunt, no problem. We have, we have much of the same interest, so that's not difficult for us to be close. But Ben, <laughs> Mr. Geek Ola, Mr. Techie, Mr. Uh, ben, I call him up, Ben, my computer, Dad, can't you, can't you figure this out on your own? No, Ben, I can't, or I wouldn't be calling you. But we need to show interest, don't we? And the things that our children show, we, we want to keep their heart. My son, give me thine heart. So show interest in the things that your children are interested in, even if you may not be. And I underline this. We read this verse earlier, to teach them to thy children. Then it says this, when thou walkest by the what? Way, when thou liest down and when thou risest up. You know what that's saying? You're with your kids. So obviously, if you're just with your kids, you're showing some interest in what they're doing. And by the way, every kid is interested in an ice cream cone. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> Number nine, our fathers who place unhealthy pressure on their children to succeed. I think you've all seen this, especially if you've gone to a little league game and seen those out of control fathers who are living their life through their kids. And those poor little kids, you know, they're up there and dad's yelling at them and they're just <laughs> so afraid they're going to do something wrong. Just that unhealthy pressure. By the way, I said unhealthy pressure. My, my dad never pressured me to do good in school. And I never did good in school. <laughs> he could have probably pressured me a little bit more and you all would have probably appreciated it. It was always mom who checked my report card. Dad was more interested in going hunting and fishing. <laughs> but placing unhealthy, not encouraging your children to be successful. We need to do that, but pressuring them, especially maybe in an area that they're not gifted in. If there therefore be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love and the fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercy fulfill you, my joy that you be like mine, having the same love, being of one accord and, will, and one mind. And here we go. Let nothing be done through what? Nothing. Would that include putting pressure on your kids to succeed? Unhealthy? Yelling at them? The golden rule. Let's say the golden rule together. As ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. Do you want someone to do that to you? Or do you just want someone to encourage you? To say, that's a good job. 
Yeah, you failed, but you know what? You can get back up. You can do it again. Next time you can do it. You'll do better. Number 10 is fathers who relinquish responsibility to the mother. This is very common to the mother, the school, or the church to raise the kids. Again, we got, we're, we're back to that dad who's just caught up in his own life. Kind of the absentee. What does God's word say? And ye what? Fathers. Ye fathers. Bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. You nurture them up. You admonish them. As they grow why? Because we're all going to stand and give an account. You know, the way I raise my kids, I'm going to give an account to the Lord for that. Many, many times in my ministry, I've preached on the judgment seat of Christ. And this, this is the absolute truth. I tell you this, there is seldom a day goes by that I don't think about the judgment seat of Christ and that one day I am going to stand there And you think of all the things that we're going to give an account to the Lord for. To think that we would hear the Lord say, you did a great job parenting your kids. They have their own will. Some turn out, some don't. That's their choice. But you did a good job. I want to hear that, don't you? I want to hear that in my ministry. I want to hear that as far as my relationship with my wife is concerned. The judgment seat's coming. It's a very sobering thought. So men, let's not turn that responsibility over to mom and to the school or to the church. Let's take that responsibility ourselves. Number 11, our fathers who are unpredictable. What do we mean by unpredictable? We never know how he's going to respond. Sometimes he might not say a word, and the other times he may smack me right across the face. I I just never know. This happens a lot when you have a home where you have an alcoholic father. They're just unpredictable. For he that what? Wavereth. Unpredictable. Just wavering. Never know where they're going to stand, what they're going to do, what their attitude is going to be. Man, you're always walking around on pins and needles around them. That that just separates a dad from his kids. It says a double-minded man is what? Unstable. Here the Bible talks about being tossed to and what? Tossed to and fro, just unstable, unpredictable. You know why that father is unpredictable? Because he doesn't even know. 
He doesn't even have his convictions down. He doesn't have his standards down. He doesn't even know what's right or wrong. What a shame. And so the kid doesn't know either. I don't know how my dad's going to respond. You know how I want my kids? I want my kids to say, I know if I ask dad, he's going to say no. Right? To which I say to them, didn't you think I was going to say no? Oh, yeah, we knew you were going to say no. Then why would you ask me? <laughs> to me, and I may be wrong, but to me, when I know where someone stands and why they stand there and they're not going to fudge, that gives me security. No, I know Dad's not going to go along with that. Or, yeah, I'm sure Dad will go along with that. Number 12. Fathers who will not listen to their children. Whoso stoppeth his ears at the cry of the poor, those poor kids... He also shall cry himself, but shall not be heard. Dad, you didn't listen to me. I'm not listening to you. Okay, guys, I'm frozen. They have got to fix that. Don't you think so? Whatever it takes to fix that, guys, I want you to fix it. I know I've told you. I didn't ask for that one to be up there yet. <laughs> they were fixing it good, right? They're listening to me. But when our kids say, I'm not listening anymore. Hmm. I just threw that collage of pictures together because, just because. You can read a lot by looking at the faces of individuals and how they dress, how they conduct themselves. It says a lot. You know, as you look at all these kids right there, pretty much tells you that the parents have lost their heart for whatever reason. Number 13, and we're done. Fathers who don't keep their word. Broken promises. Now, there are times, I understand, when we make a promise and something unforeseen comes up and we just can't keep the promise. And then we say, I'm sorry, this is what happened. But it can't be something that's just typical. Dad's always promising he's going to do this, he's going to do that, he's going to take us here, and Dad never does it. You want to drive a wedge between you and your child. They get all excited, they look forward to that. Even my grandkids now are coming up to me, wanting me to make them promises. Zane is after me about fishing. 
That boy, he's a fishing fanatic. When are you going to take me fishing? When are you going to take me fishing? Okay, guys. Oh, the Bible said you're yay, yay, and you're nay, what? Nay. And you're nay, nay. <clears throat> this is a good verse. Better is it that thou shouldest not vow, don't make a promise, than that thou shouldest vow and not pay. If you say you're going to do something, do your dead level best to what? To do it. Don't be a Pinocchio. Keep your word. If you keep your word, your children will trust you. I underline this here. I think maybe this is a good, this came to my mind as maybe a good way Instead of making a promise, is to say, I would love to do that. I'm looking forward to doing that. If the Lord will. Blame the Lord if it doesn't happen. If the Lord will, we shall live and do this or do that. Isn't that a good way to say it? Because we never know what tomorrow holds. Something may come up. And you know what? Children don't understand that. And I guess this just came to my mind, so... Eight o'clock, look at that. Last week I let you out at eight and now I'm gonna let you out tonight at eight. I'm slipping, I'm slipping. <laughs> but uh, how many have ever heard of Shopco? <coughs> a few of you, if you come from the north, Shopco was like our Walmart up there. And uh, my dad had promised me, we had a Shopco in Marquette, we lived in Lance. And if you wanted a big day of going shopping, then you went to Marquette. It was about a two, an hour and a half drive, two-hour drive. And so we were in shop going. I can't remember how old I was. I was just a little boy. And I needed a tire for my bicycle. And my dad told me that he was going to get me a tire for my bicycle. So what was I looking forward to all day? I was looking forward to getting a tire for my for my. Uh, bicycle. So I went into Shopco and I had all written down exactly what size I needed and everything and, and uh, I was just after my dad, after my dad, after my dad to get me, yeah, let's go. My dad had to say to me, he said, Danny, he always called me Danny, and he said, Danny, I'm sorry, but we just don't have the money to get that tire for you today. That broke my heart. And I did not have the proper response. I started arguing with my dad, and my dad got so mad at me that he hit me across the face in Shopco. My glasses went flat. My dad never did that. First time, my dad never did that. But for whatever reason, he lost it. He hit me across the face, and my glasses went sliding down the floor. I tell you what, my dad lost my heart. And my dad didn't apologize for a long time afterwards. And I held that against my dad.
When my dad did come to me and made it right, obviously, everything was fine. But, let's keep our promises. So here are the 13 things that will separate us from our children. Now, I don't know if this spoke to any of you tonight. It's spoken to me again. And even with my, now my children are grown, now my grandchildren are coming up. You know what? I, I want to keep my grandchildren's hearts. I want to be able to speak into their life. Let's pray. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.